Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee. You're listening to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. That's the Voice of Truth Radio Show right here. We'll be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from a biblical perspective. So we're on Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3, so... Unless you're listening to the podcast, uh, it's Thursday at 5 or Saturday at 3. Not here where we are. You got two options. Two, two <laughs> options. That's right. So we still haven't heard from the Rush Limbaugh show, so we're, we're uh, just going to keep going yeah, down here. let's keep checking We on think it. we're next in line because the guys that are doing it in Rush's show now, I think, aren't good. <laughs> Be real frank about it. Not as good. As us. Not as good, that's right. All right, so we've been gone a couple weeks, and we apologize for that. We hate to miss the show because we have fun doing it, all right? We have a good well, time down there. Well, give us our chance to play our greatest hits, though. And uh, <laughs> But the problem is we only have one. So, uh, you but know, you could play it twice. We were gone two <laughs> weeks. Right. We have one greatest hit show and play it twice. Play it twice. Right? So we do appreciate our listeners, though, very much. You folks that tune in and... Tell us that you enjoy the show. We uh, we appreciate it very much. So I was gone for two weeks, uh, not by choice. <laughs> I was in Charleston for two weeks. So every uh, everyone knows that the Constitution says every ten years you got to count the people, mm-hmm. and that's called the census. And that's a um, every state has to do that, including West Virginia. So after you count the census, you bring all the numbers back, and every state redraws their districts according to the population. So uh, the House and the Senate, the House, is, is this is interesting, the House uh, just passed a bill where all, their, the, all the House of Delegates districts are single-member districts. So it mm. used to be that, for example, in Wood County, uh, uh, Wood County uh, had a three-member district that my dad represented for many years. And I represent her for two, and there's several uh, so, several other delegates that do that. Uh, and then um, uh, some some had well, some were already single member districts. Some were two member districts, depending on the population around the state. Charleston had had five. I even I think even uh, so, all that changed because the House passed a bill. So every every uh, member goes one on one because because if you're in a three member district, you really don't. Go one on one with with uh, with your your opponent because there's in the uh, in the in the primary three Republican the top three Republicans win the top three Democrats win and then it's three Cancels against three yeah. so nobody's firing against each other mm-hmm. and then there's no fireworks you really don't vet uh, each other's belief system and so on so this is good for a lot of reasons but but now every the House had to draw a single member district for for uh, for all uh, every every single member, so there's a hundred districts now. I I guess I think that's right, and uh, they'll be firing away at each other wow. come uh, come uh, primary season, uh, and then the Senate. 
oh, we, us uh, guys in the Senate had to redraw our map. And uh, it just went on and on and on because there, there, there was everyone, most everyone ag- agreed except for a couple of guys who both, who uh, both had uh, dr- drawn maps, uh, Senate, members of the Senate. There was two maps that, that uh, we couldn't agree on. We, you had to pick one of the maps. And we could not, and it just went on and on and on Man. and on. So we were down there. So what do you do uh, when it goes days. on like that? You, you just arm wrestle, and then whoever wins that gets. <laughs> <laughs> there was no arm wrestling. No arm wrestling. No, no because man. that's not in the Constitution. I was hoping that would be a West Virginia arm. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you call us the volunteers of the day. So you back up. <laughs> so, uh, what, so uh, what we did was, uh, what, what, what was I talking about? Right before. Oh, that. you can you can decide on the maps. Like there was yeah, two so of them. Yeah, so we couldn't and... we couldn't decide on the maps. There was two maps, and we would vote and, go, and just go back and forth. And um, so finally, we came to an agreement. Craig Blair, the Senate President, to his to his credit, every single meeting that we started the caucus, just the Republicans, the Republican caucus, which was a lot of them. And in that 10-day period, we were down there uh, Sunday through – Sunday afternoon through um, Friday, the first week. Took the weekend off because it was brutal. Then we started back Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Finally wow. finished on Wednesday. That's a lot of meetings. Every single meeting uh, we opened with prayer. Wow. Every That's single wonderful. one. So it was either either I opened with prayer or a guy named Roland Roberts, who's a pastor, a Baptist pastor down in uh, Raleigh County, uh, Beckley. And uh, so uh, I, I was the first one. That, and uh, Blair said, uh, all right, Azinger, you, uh, you open prayer first. Uh, you and Roland Roberts are going to be the opening in prayer. And uh, I said, well, I think I should go first because I think mine will be better than his. <laughs> <laughs> As I actually said that. So, uh, and so, you actually believed it. I did. Yes, uh, I did. Until I heard Roland Roberts pray, and then I shut up. Yeah. But Roland Roberts is a great guy, a pastor down in uh, uh, Beckley. Has a Christian school down there. Been serving for years and years. So God just—it was just—it just all of a sudden, boom! It it worked, and um, it was a. You know, you can't, it's compromise. It, that's just, you hear that cliche all the time. But politics is, you can't get everything you want. Uh, that That's a rarity. But uh, so everyone seemed happy with the map now. And the Senate has all the d- districts drawn. And uh, uh, that's done. And we had to draw the congressional map because we lost a congressional seat. We had mm-hmm. three. Uh, we lost about 60,000 people. Talk about that a little bit. What What's the deal with uh, with losing the people? I mean, what's happening in West So Virginia? we lost a, we a lot of people. Um, not a lot. There's there's two or three places in the state that are growing. Okay. Um, the um, Morgantown area and the eastern panhandle around D.C. And uh, maybe maybe one or two others. But, uh, um, but the, the net population was a loss by about 60,000 because we lost a lot of folks in Kanawha County. And this is, of course, since the last census uh, in 2010. Um, and then just kind of those those counties south of there, uh, there, there was just a lot of loss. And, and uh, um, we, we don't have a city in the state now over 50,000 people. Wow. Charleston used to be a, a, a very vibrant a healthy city, and uh, it's just it's just a lot of lost a lot of population, and as a state, we didn't lose a huge amount, but we lost 
a pretty significant amount mm-hmm. for how small we are. So we lost a congressional seat. Uh, we had three. Now we have two. So you got three congressmen, uh, and uh, now you only have two seats. So two of those congressmen are going to have to fight against each other in accordance with how we draw the map. And so, when does that happen? Just the next election Just the cycle. next election, yeah. So, okay. so Alex Mooney, who's an Eastern Panhandle guy, Freedom Caucus guy, good guy, will go against uh, – David McKinley, who's our current congressman, and uh, McKinley, I think he's from uh, maybe the Northern Panhandle, I forget. And then Carol Miller, who used to serve in the House, she'll have Southern West, Southern West Virginia. Um, so that's how it happened, and it's just it's um, it's an amazing thing. I th- it was a lot of work. It was very grueling, stressful, but it's fascinating to watch, preacher, and you you appreciate. Uh, being an American, hmm. you draw your own maps. Yeah. The people do it. The people uh, can talk uh, can t- talk to the the legislators and put their input. And we want this county and, and so on. And, and it's a give and take, but it's a, it's a beautiful process. It's fascinating to watch, especially if you're right there on the inside, like uh, like we have the honor to be. But and doesn't happen in a lot of other places where no. people just say this is what's going to happen. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. it's America. We have. Yeah. Plenty of problems. Lord knows we do, but we still uh, we still are a free country, yeah. and um, you know, of course, the Constitution says that every state has to mirror the government of the the, the federal government in D.C. So every state except for one has um, has a um, um, an executive, a legislative, and uh, um, then then the uh, the court system, and. Uh, uh, so it's it's a it's a glorious a glorious thing. Mm. So anyway, um, that's where I was. You um, get, were gallivanting around yeah. in uh, at a preacher's conference. I was. They get and, wild. So how'd that go? Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I, we uh, we had several of the deacons down there checking on you. You didn't know that. <laughs> that was wonderful. It was great. You know, it's good for pastors to get away and get some fellowship with some of their peers. Uh, every once in a while as well and get encouraged. I would think that would be essential. Uh, you know? It is. And it's it's good I'm to learn. You, you know, sometimes you can get in the echo chamber of your own mind and, uh, you know, you can be pretty shut down in, in new ideas. And I think God uses um, iron to sharpen iron. And yeah. so when you can be around people who can sharpen you, it's a tremendous blessing to be mm-hmm. able to do that. So preaching was fantastic. The fellowship was great. I think the most interesting conversations probably stemmed around, you know, uh, responses to what we've been going through the last couple of years and how it's affected the church and um, dealing with coronavirus and, yeah. you know, different things getting locked down and, and how people are returning to church or not returning to church. And so uh, it was good to, to kind of hear how different guys were handling well, I'm that. I'm curious and, about that. Yeah. So what are most pastors saying in terms of, of people coming back to church after? So, I mean, it's been a noticeable uh, difference. You know, I mean, while there is still a lot of healthy things that are going on concerning the congregations and their participation in church, the in-person um, is not quite where it was in most churches still yet. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people still watching online who haven't returned to church. Um, and then maybe people not coming as frequently, like where you would have an every Sunday morning attender. Yeah. Now maybe they're in every other Sunday morning attender, or or if you had somebody who was attending three services in a week, maybe now they're only attending one service a week. So yeah. that's kind of where the big hit has come. And um, you know, if somebody's getting out and about, 
usually they figured out how they want to try to keep themselves safe. Maybe they've gotten the vaccine. Maybe they wear a mask. Maybe they do whatever. But, um, you know, I think it's a consensus among pastors to believe that when you're knocked off stride, sometimes it's hard to get back on. It's like working out, you know. Right. You get in a rhythm of it. You develop a habit for it. Your body craves it. And then you get injured or something, and you don't work out for a couple months, and sure. you're not back at that same level again. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's the spiritual side of that as well, where we are disciples, which means there's discipline to this whole thing. Yes. And so when we get involved in it, uh, you know, we grow spiritually. When we get knocked out of it, we tend to lose some of that spiritual muscle. Mm. And and let me just say this as a pastor, this is not the time that we can afford to lose our spiritual muscle. Mm. You know, I, I think that the devil knows what he's doing. I think there's some tactical stuff going on here concerning the church and concerning our culture. Tactical, you mean and in, the, in the spiritual realm? In the spiritual realm, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the devil takes full advantage of lack of faith and, and some weakness that, that he can sense. He's a, he's a roaring lion. He's looking for those. You know, that's what lions do. You ever watch the Nature Channel and yeah. you just know it. You see that stray, you know, guy from the pack and he's, you know, that little wild beast guy. You know, you know it's over. You know, that lion sees him and wow. And, right. you know, I think that's what's happening in Christianity because, you know, as, as these people come away from being with God's people, with the fold, it exposes them in ways they don't even realize. They don't. Mm. They don't even see that lion creeping up on them. Yeah. And and we've got some people I think getting devoured a little bit today. So, mm. well, that's a, that's a, an astute observation. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and if there's a time, of course, you know, we always need the Lord. But man, we need we need folks to be strong in the yeah. Lord. And and uh, a lot of a lot of folks across the country are rising up, and I think there's a spiritual element to yes. it. But uh, we certainly um, we certainly want a, a revival of, of God and not necessarily right. a, a political or even a patriotic revival because uh, our patriot our patriotism in America was rooted in, in the Lord. Right. We came out of uh, the Great Awakening. That's yes. how America started. That gave birth to the American Revolution. And, and um, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, we certainly need— Need Christians to be strong in the Lord yeah. at this time. So anyway, I'm glad you went. Glad you got to go. Take took the whole family with you. We left the older kids. We took the littlest one. Spoiled her to death while we were gone. With there her. you go. So and what, what? Where'd you go? Where was it? It was Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Which, by the way, as a side note, they have amazing museums down there. Um, they're Smithsonian quality. We took time to learn a little bit about uh, you know the Eastern Seaboard while we were there. And uh, went to some of these museums, and it was fascinating. Wonderful museum. Hmm. So if you're ever in Raleigh and you get an opportunity to go to the museum, they're free. You don't have to pay to get in. Yes. You just have to pay for the parking downtown. Yes. It is, uh, it is phenomenal. Very good. All right. So that's, uh, that's our first segment, folks. We're going to come back in a minute. And uh, there's, there's a, a story that's gone viral that uh, Cheryl Atkinson, who's a great reporter. Um, what's her show called? I, I forget what it's called. It's on, but – she does. She does oh, stuff that's yeah, just good. counterculture. She did one on the, on the Amish and how they handled COVID. It was fascinating. Yeah. So five minute little bit. So this yeah. one that we're gonna we're gonna try. Our technology is uh, <laughs> improving. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's on the rise. I promise you. Rise. But we're just gonna play this this little two minute clip yeah. into the microphone on dads. Some dads. Uh, there was a high school. I forget where it is. The boys were fighting every day. 
and these dads stepped in, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to play that for you next and talk about it. But uh, we got a great show lined up for you. This is the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Your host, State Senator Mike Azinger. That is me, or I. Is that, that is I, or that is me. That is me. I'm going <laughs> I always to confuse me. West Virginia. My wife sure good at stuff like that. Is she? Yeah. Can, she's, we, can we get her on the line? She can proof voice us. <laughs> she's a good proofreader, too. Yeah, so. well, there you go. That's what we need. Uh, and you are Pastor uh, Brian Leversey, Pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, from where we broadcast every week. Um, so uh, we are uh, we're gonna we're gonna play a, a great little clip um, on Cheryl Atkinson's show or from her show on dads, and the, uh, this is a story about uh, a high school I forget where in America, and they're ha- they're having fights every day. Yeah, and some dads. It's in a, a black community. Some dads stepped in and said. Uh, we're going to start a new organization. We're going to go to the school every day. It's awesome. And they walk the hallways. So this is a great little story. And uh, uh, we're going to just we're just going to do uh, uh, put the phone up to the mic. We hope this works. I think it will. But you'll love this. And um, then we'll we'll talk right after that. But uh, uh, you'll love it. When the SOS went up at a troubled school, who answered the call? A bunch of DADs. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. Your qualifications are? We decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like that horse. I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting. People started going to class. How could that be? You ever heard of a look? A look? Dads have the power to do that? Yes. (laughs) Not many people know it, but yes. (laughs) Let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes. (laughs) They just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your suit is untied, but it's really not untied. (laughs) They hate it. They're so embarrassed by it. (laughs) And it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school. The school has really just been, like, happy, and you can feel it. Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody has the father figure figure at home. Or a male, period, in their life. So just to be here makes a big difference. Do you think you stumbled onto something here? Absolutely. 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 Have a good morning. 
they'd like to start chapters of dads on duty throughout Louisiana. What's up, big boy? And hope to eventually take on the country. All right. Without a fight. <laughs> Steve Hartman on the road in Shreveport, Louisiana. So what a great story. Uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. 23 arrested in just, what, a couple days. Yeah. Just fighting. They're fighting. And these dads uh, step in. Dad's on duty, they call it. And they got 40 of them. 40 of them, wow. I mean, think about that. Think about the last time you saw, honestly, maybe maybe down in the Senate, obviously, because they had to go. But when's the last time you saw four men, 40 men get together to do something consequential like that? Yeah. Yeah, so somebody took the lead, and I think uh, I think they said his name, but but uh, they've organized it. They have a name for it. They they do shifts, mm-hmm. and they're giving what these kids, a large majority of them, I have no doubt, have no dad at home. Yeah, and these black communities all across America, you know, you're talking about about these kids that, that have I, I've told this story um, on the show before pastor once or twice but uh, when I had my show in Indiana I lived in the greater Chicago area mm-hmm. it was the the, the uh, radio station I could I it was on the fourth floor of an old federal building that was beautifully redone but from the radio sh- uh, uh, studio I could look out the window and see Chicago it was just mere blocks away mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so I, I I I knew I know well about that uh, about that kind of um, that kind of um, demographics. So, but but I lived in that same area. I went to Bible college out there thirty five years ago, and I remember. Um, no, you know what I heard when I heard it on the radio station when I had the show when I was had the show there just about uh, ten years ago. So. I was listening to another station, um, the Moody Station, Moody mm-hmm. Bible Institute, right. which is uh, known across the country, and uh, it's very popular in that area among Christians. And uh, the the uh, I forget what show I was listening to, but uh, he had a black pastor on from the Chicago area, mm-hmm. and it was around Father's Day, and the pastor said, "You know, uh, this is a time with when we have a lot." In the black community, we have a lot of daddy ache, hmm. a lot of daddy ache. I never forgot that. So you have these kids. We think, ah, no big deal. Well, God made these kids to have in their heart a need for a daddy, yeah. and so many of them don't. And that's what these these men are doing. It's such a wonderful thing to watch. They're going into these schools, and they're being a daddy yeah. to these kids. That little girl who said, you ever heard of the daddy look? <laughs> <laughs> well, those of us have, who were blessed yeah. to have dads, we know, we know what it. the daddy look is. Yeah. And we know how important it is for kids to see the daddy mm-hmm. look, right? And that little girl needed that, and she loved it. Yep. She loved having somebody draw a line for her. We heard these kids talk, and they said, it's happy here now. Wow. I, I mean, think that, about yeah. that. And, you know, that angst that is produced in society when God's plan and design isn't followed, and you're missing a huge part of it, like a father or like a mother or an identity, because we can't even say the words father and mother anymore. Wow. Uh, what that produces is this angst and frustration that leads to violence. So no wonder there were fights breaking out every day. You've got a bunch of angry kids who have no attachment to the things that God has desired and designed to bless them with, and then they act out in this violent rage. Now you get 40 dads on campus. What does it do? This place is happy now. What yes. a great, great yeah. example of what 
God's plan is for a culture. Excellent. So it went from 23 arrests to none, to no, yeah. no incidents. Because de- these dads, and these big what? old boys, too, these are studs. Guess what? The federal government had nothing to do with nothing. it. Nothing. That's right. That's exactly And right. I hope the DOJ keeps their hands off of these dads because uh, I don't like what I'm hearing right now about them being, you know, marshaled out against parents who are involving themselves in the school system. Yes. Well, the... the, the uh, that organization is backtracking big time. Yeah. Who called parents, uh, what was it? Terrorists. Terrorists, domestic yeah. terrorists, uh, big time. So yeah. uh, so we hear nonstop about the shootings in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, these, these uh, that, that's where I've, I lived in that area for, for an aggregate of, of 15 years. Um, there are certain parts of Chicago you do not go to right. you do not go to um <clears throat> a buddy of mine was uh, a christmas time this was back in the 80s but a, a buddy of mine was about to get into his car at at christmas and it was uh the streets were all desolate and and uh those couple guys came up behind him and tried to shove him in the car and kidnap him and he just put his hands on the <laughs> on the car and so they had to make him go in the car and just as he, they were, he was doing that a police car came wow saved his life but uh the police said uh these guys are from the west side you would have uh they would have taken you there and you would have not come back wow. so there's there's places but but these are these are places in chicago and large other large that are occupied by gangs mm-hmm. these shootings in chicago that you hear about nonstop are gang shootings mm-hmm. and the gang is a surrogate for the family, the yeah, family's is. broken That's down, exactly right. and and these gangs are are offering something to these boys that they don't have. Yeah. First, it's a, it's a rite of passage to manhood. It's 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 taking these boys, these gangs, and and promising them manhood. I yeah. think is mm-hmm. part of that and value and, and a, a definition for their life and a purpose and a meaning and and fellowship and fellowship <laughs> as, as all really, as that is, yeah. But, but uh, and and that's what they do, and they create evil. These boys, uh, you know, they make the when you don't have a dad, and you have your peers creating uh, c- creating a code for mm-hmm. you. Well, they're going to they they don't have any direction from a parent, mm-hmm. right? And so their code is going to be, uh, you know, the. Uh, survival, uh, the, the, the strongest rule, right. you know. And when you have a dad, a daddy is going to have a heart for their kids. And these dads, dads on duty in Shreveport, Louisiana, have, they're dads. So yeah. they have a daddy heart. And uh, they go through the schools and, you know, they want they want what's best for these kids. They're, and they're present. They're right there. Yeah. That is so awesome. And, you know, while I like that story because it gives you hope for what's taking place in areas that need, what like, like we think need that, I actually needed to hear that story as a dad. You know, I needed to hear that my presence matters. Because we, we forget about that. There's so many mm-hmm. things that um, even even if you consider yourself a good parent or a good dad, there's a lot of things you can put on autopilot if you're not careful. And that presence that you should have in mm-hmm. your child's life isn't what it could be. And boy, that, that encouraged me. And I know it's not necessarily Bible. I think it's a biblical principle. But man, their story convicted me in some ways too, where yeah. it, was a, it was a blessing to me to hear and that. That story's everywhere. And, and a lot of the reason that it's, that it's resonating is because Americans know that, that men 
uh, and dads are are being maligned and yes. made fun of and mocked. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's it's ubiquitous, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, we've paid the price for it. that. That has had consequences. Yeah. You know, this next generation, this younger generation, does not. So many of these boys don't know how to act like men. No. They don't know how to. They, they, I, I read a story um, yesterday, day before. <laughs> My generation is going back to living with their parents. Right. 50s. And yeah. I'm 56. Lord have mercy, never. I love my mom and dad, <laughs> and I will never thank, be able to thank them enough. But to go back and yeah. live with them, you know, when we moved, we moved uh, away to Indiana years ago, and we lived two weeks with my mom, and it was a once she was very good to us, and you know, and uh, uh, but but I think that my family and my mom were were happy when those <laughs> two weeks were done right because it's not natural yeah. right it's yeah. uh, you know you you leave your father and mother and you cleave to your mm-hmm. to your uh, wife or husband cleave to your wife right is that the yeah word? so so anyway what a what a great great story thank you lord for it just mm-hmm. we just pray god please that this would just spread yep it's, it's, I'm going to be praying for these dads. Yes. I'm going to be praying for the, the ministry they have as fathers. I think that they are doing an admirable job just being responsible to their calling. And I think if more of us would just do that, we could change this world mm. for, for the Lord. Really, yeah, we could. Yeah. They're just, they, they see, uh, they saw a need and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, you, you really can't. You really can't top what they're no. what they're doing. They're they're not replacing these kids' dads. Nope. But they kind of are. Yeah. In certain ways, they are, and I guarantee you that. Well, they're certainly changing their lives forever. I mean, just yeah. their presence there is mm-hmm. going to make a huge impact in some of those kids' lives yeah. that'll change their life forever. Yeah. And and in many ways, in ways they'll they'll, they'll never know. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lord, for that story. I'm glad you saw that one, uh, Pastor. Every once in a while, you contribute a story. <laughs> Sorry. I'm well, give you a I want to stay. Thank you. Yeah. Two minutes. He gives me well, a mint every time I'll we uh, start the show. I, I offer you and, as many uh, as you want, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're not like me. You don't devour. <laughs> All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Azinger, Brian Leversey. We will be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. You're listening to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. There's nowhere else. We've been everywhere. Don't even try looking. You're thinking, well, Alaska, but no. Nope. Nope. Have we? We've been to Alaska and checked it out. We've been to Hawaii. Antarctica. There's a penguin there that gave us a run for our money. Yeah. Yeah, so we had to, uh, well. Well, we let's won't. not talk about that. <laughs> Penguin over fire, though, is, is pretty tasty <laughs> stuff. All right. Um, we're going to talk about here David McCullough. Some of you folks that are readers yeah. out there might uh, know of David McCullough. He is an author who does not lie about – he's a, hist, uh, a, a historian who writes great books mm-hmm. who doesn't lie about the past. Right. He does not change history. He actually 
reports history. He 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 reports, um, yeah, what happened. Mm-hmm. How about that for a concept? That's so rare today. Do you know there's a guy, pastor named Howard Zinn, who writes the textbooks, the history textbooks for our universities, and he is a big liar. He yeah. lies about what happened. He he uh, slants and taints and and has ruined the minds of so mm-hmm. many kids in America in terms of their view of our great country. So David McCullough doesn't do that. Yeah. David McCullough, I don't think he's a believer. He's a, a Hamptons <laughs> uh, intellectual, but he's a he's. Oh, by the way, he uh, so some books. Let me just tell you, 1776, John Adams, two books. I've read both yep, those. And good. Truman. Mm-hmm. And you know that he he wrote a book about the. About uh, the Northwest Ordinance, uh, the Marietta. Yeah, Old- I have that. I'm reading Do it you? right Are now. Are you reading it? I'm reading it right now. For it real? is phenomenal. Well, I'm a big history guy. When we moved to this area, I was astounded because we moved to the area for the church. So we researched the church. We researched the area demographics. We did all that. And I didn't even know the history that was here. Yeah. And it is phenomenal. I mean, we live in a history-rich area. Yeah. People need to get out and study that because it is phenomenal where we live. It really is. Um, so you like the book? I like the I would recommend the book. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I love his stuff anyway. Yeah. And this is so awesome. Just Maybe it's more so because we live in the area and I feel like I'm walking in these, yeah. these areas that this all took place in. But it's a phenomenal Well, book. he came uh, to Marietta and... And spent I don't know I think a couple of months at mm, Marietta Researching College just it out doing research. Yeah. The cover of the book is why I bought it. It's <laughs> oh, it's got those. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. It's, 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 a, it's yeah. I think it's a boat on the Ohio River, yeah. isn't it? Is that yeah, right? it is. Anyway. A church member gave it to me when oh. I got here, so it was great. There you go. Yeah. So McCullough. So um, we're, this is a um, a an article by a guy named Daniel Laddier in Intellectual Takeout, which we've talked about mm-hmm. before. These are Hillsdale College guys who started Intellectual Takeout. They, the, the beauty of Intellectual Takeout is they're not real long articles, and man, they they talk about things that nobody else does. Right. You can get them on Facebook. That's where I read them on Facebook. So, David McCullough on what's wrong with history education today. So, this is interesting. Some of you have read historian David McCullough's book, which include books which include 1776, John Adams, and Truman, and many more. At the very least, you've seen his books on the shelves at Barnes and Noble in an interview conducted by the Wall Street Journal in 2011. So this is 10 years old. Let's go back 10 years. McCullough had some very interesting interesting critiques of modern history education, which he shares here. So let me. I just want to go through these because these are these are very interesting and the, they are uh, education educational and instructive. So regarding the historical knowledge of youth today, McCall says this, I know how much these young people, even at the most esteemed institutions of higher learning, don't know. Yeah. So our kids, he is saying, this is David McCullough, he's saying uh, our kids are ignorant of American history or of history in general. Um, And it's not their fault. They weren't aren't being taught right weren't taught so again (laughs) regarding the historical knowledge of you today david mccall says i know how much these young people even at the most esteemed institutions of higher learning these great colleges i know how much they don't know all right then on the prevalent method of teaching history mccullough says history is often taught in categories 
This is true. Listen to this. You will agree with this, Pastor. History is often taught in categories. Women's history, African-American history, environmental history, and so on. So that many of the students have no sense of chronology. It's just this certain segment and what happened, uh, uh, supposedly. Um, They have no idea what followed what. So chronology. Then... On the content of contemporary history books, they, uh, this is McCullough, they are so politically correct as to be comic. Yeah. Like, uh, he's laughing at right. political correct historians, yeah. McCullough is. They are so politically correct as to be comic. And I mentioned Howard Zinn, who is awful. A uh, very minor, hit, listen to this. This is revisionism. This is a great definition, <coughs> excuse me, of revisionism. Very minor characters that are currently fashionable are given considerable space, whereas people of major consequence farther back are given very little space mm-hmm. or none at all. Yeah. So these inconsequential uh, uh, characters in history are given all this, all this learning, all this space. But people who did great things, people that uh, uh, were were over overachievers mm-hmm. to use a common word uh, they they get little at all so so political correctness or history revisionism diminishes greatness yeah right we don't want to learn about washington and franklin and jefferson and all the founding fathers uh, because they're white and male mm-hmm. and dead you know the old white <laughs> dead men uh well, well guess what they were Great men who overcame mm-hmm. great things, like John Adams, who McCullough writes about. So, um, on the style of contemporary history textbooks, McCullough says, and they're so badly written. <laughs> I love this. He's, he's very good. They're so badly written, nobody wants to pick up a big old book and think, this book is awful. I know it's awful, cause, and, and I've got to read the whole thing or read much of it. They're badly written. They're boring. Historians are never required to write for people other than historians. Most of them are doing excellent work. I draw on their excellent work. I admire some of them more than anybody I know. But, by and large, they haven't learned to write very well. Yeah. So, there's nothing better than running, uh, opening up a great book. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than opening up a bad book and yeah. you know you have to read the whole thing. <laughs> so, anywho, all right, so on where to lay the blame, it's our fault, he says. I mean, the parents and grandparents, this is interesting. Listen to this, Pastor. It's our fault. I mean, the parents and grandparents of the oncoming generation, we have to talk about history, talk about the books we love. The biographies and histories. We should all take our children to historic places. Yep. Go to Gettysburg. Yep. Go to the Capitol, and so on. So uh, you know, in the in the, in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, God said to tell your children and your chil- your mm-hmm. children's children. Tell yep. them what happened. Yeah. Tell them when you cross. How God. How you know, God said, "I brought you across the Red Sea." Tell them. Mm-hmm. That's teach them. The history that is true yeah. and what God did in history, because there is no history outside of what God does in history. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked about you, you when you went to um, 
to Raleigh, North Carolina. You took yeah. you took your wife. We do that. That, that. Those are our vacations. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll go to amusement parks, you know, somewhere in the middle of our vacations just so that we can unwind a little bit. But our vacations have been primarily historical vacations. We've done, you know, all of the major history stuff on the East Coast, Jamestown. Wow. We've gone to um, uh, Monticello. We've gone to the uh, Washington, D.C. We looked through all the Smithsonian's. And when you do that with your children, they get to go and they get to see the monuments and they get to see the inscriptions of, of about God and scripture right there on the buildings. Yeah. They, they get to see firsthand, which the history books won't allude to, these modern ones that McCullough was <laughs> eviscerating there. Um, you won't get that sense of what our nation's history is really bathed in. And so we have, we've, we've took them hands on to see this stuff and it has been wonderful. I love how he broke down the errancy in modern history because chronology is so important. It's, mm. it's important for context. Like for instance, as a pastor, I have to be a historian and I cannot just cherry pick my messages to be, you know, uh, boxed into my own agenda. I have to preach each message, regardless of what passage I'm using, within the context of the flow of the narrative of biblical history. Yes. Uh, you start extricating, you know, points and messages and information from the flow of history. And then you can make it say whatever you want to, like many do from the pulpit today, by the way, mm. just to meet a need that we might have in the moment. But the Bible and history as a whole is so much bigger than the momentary needs that we have. It lays out a, a story, a narrative of how God has worked yeah. throughout time uh, with mankind. And you see his goodness. You see his grace. You see his his callings. You see how it all flows together and you see man's failures and you see man's successes and you see how it's attached to how they followed God's callings. And, you know, I've heard pastors say this before and I tend to believe it. The reason it's called history is because it's his story, you know, right. and, and when you extricate pieces and you, and you amplify, you know, situations and people who are, who are minor and you don't amplify people in situations who are major, you're losing out on the richness and the, and the text, uh, the, your, the richness and, and just the depth of what history can really be and mean to us if we'll really learn it. And, and that's a great point uh, about the major character. Look, uh, God uh, talks about some people a lot more than he talks about he does. others, right? Yeah. I mean, how much does he talk about David? Mm-hmm. How much is Paul a part of, of, mm-hmm. of Scripture and the disciples and, of course, uh, uh, Jesus Christ? Um that that that's there are major characters there are great you know none greater than john the baptist yeah. well that goes against our our fallen nature what do you mm-hmm. mean greater he's what do you mean he's greater that's what the the leftist and the critical race theory uh the marxists don't like they want everything they want uh, uh equity mm-hmm. in outcome no yeah. one greater than the other, yeah. and no one more with more money than the other, unless unless it's them. One of the great examples of that, I think, is Hebrews chapter number eleven. We call it the Great Faith chapter, Hall of Faith, and you have these major characters that are being listed. But then at the end of it, it talks about the real big heroes being those who had no country, no land, yeah. roamed around, were sawed asunder, were in all kinds of peril and difficulty. Their names aren't mentioned. But they played such a huge support role in the whole realm yeah. of biblical history that that God uh, alludes to them there. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine with me. I, I'm probably not ever going to get that that big spotlight role, but 
But to know your place and to know your calling and to know that God's using you and to know your flow in history, you still need to know that whole context. Yes, and, and, and that, that's, that's a, a, an important point because uh, fame is not what uh, Christianity nope. is all about, right? Or history. Uh, Jesus, instead of Jesus, uh, they made him, they, he made himself of no, no re- reputation. No reputation. Yeah. And of those in Hebrews 11 that were that were martyred, sawn asunder, mm-hmm. and so on, uh, a, a beautiful phrase. And uh, there's a, a great book with the same name that is phenomenal. But uh, God said of these people, uh, uh, they are of whom the world is not, not worthy. worthy. Yeah. Of whom the world. And yeah. there's, a, there's a great book called, I'm sure there's many, but there's a, uh, the, uh, from the, the, uh, Balkans, I think, or from the Muslim territories back 100 years ago, called of of whom the world is not worthy, and uh, a man who gets saved and hmm. just he he carries Bibles to his enemies. And anyway, so um, you're you're right about history. I, I I'm the same way. Look, I grew up going to the same place that every other West Virginian goes goes for vacation, Myrtle Beach, <laughs> Outer Banks, and, and so on. And um, uh, I remember my parents, one time we went to, um, uh, where where was it? I forget. But I, I bought a book there, and um, um, it was it – was, I still remember the book. Mm-hmm. I read it on the way home. But uh, we do the same thing. You know, yeah. I, I drag my kids through Monticello, yep. through Jamestown and Yorktown. We've been and to Plymouth. We've been to Plymouth. Uh, I've not been to Plymouth. We went to Boston and we did the whole Freedom Trail Boston's thing. Boston's phenomenal. Oh, it's, that's just awesome. We actually will go back soon, I think, to spend some more time there when we get an opportunity. We didn't see near all the things that we wish that we could have. Everyone, we just got back from a trip. This year to Philadelphia oh. and walked all those, you know, historic streets. It was awesome. You're, yes. you're walking down the streets and you just see plaques on yes. existing houses where, you know, some president or spy or, you know, whatever lived there. And then you look it up on the phone and you're, you're able to kind of see the history of what happened right there in that building. That's it's cool. amazing. Uh, we were there a couple of years ago and uh, the, the Liberty Bell, you can see mm-hmm. from that. We couldn't get inside. It was a holiday and we, we just couldn't get in. But you see the Liberty Bell and then... Uh, um, uh, uh, Freedom Hall, Independence mm-hmm. Hall. Uh, we couldn't get in there either, but but our our history is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and God's such a uh, obviously all through all throughout, especially our our early history, and it's 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 it's, it's just you will enjoy. Go to Mount Vernon sometime. Go to yeah. Washington. Oh, absolutely. Home. I've been there. Three it or is times. amazing. I love that. It's place. right on the Potomac. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Beautiful. The house is gorgeous. Uh, Jamestown is. Uh, Near there, the first uh, permanent English-speaking colony in Williamsburg, yeah, in Yorktown. Williamsburg's phenomenal. Please, we need to is. go into it's, that church that's there and the see center. all the presidents that attended church there in that that yes. area. Oh, yeah. man. And, and Jamestown has the first uh, the the foundation. Okay, there's a church there built in 1930, but inside that church, under glass, are the foundations. Yeah, of the, we saw that of the original the first church in America where they met. Uh, where they where they met and had their political meetings inside the church. Yep. They didn't know about church and state. <laughs> if we just had the ACLU back then. If we would have just had a radio show back then, then they'd know there's a fusion that exists there. Yes, exactly. You it's know. too bad. But great, great stuff uh, in our American history. And you can you just go go on your way to the beach, wherever you go, stop in. We went to Montpelier one time, which is uh, – 
uh, uh, Madison's home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as of a big deal as Mount Vernon, but it's a great little Adam's place. home is awesome to see. When you start learning about these guys and how many languages they knew and the, the yeah. way they dedicated themselves to their studies, most of them were homeschooled and learned yes. on their own. Yes. I mean, these yes. men were brilliant. Or or they were tutored by Wilberforce. Yeah, clergy. Or, or, or a preacher, yeah. a, a local preacher. They were, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's how we used to be, and we are so far from that. But um, God's merciful. All right, so we're going to finish it up with, back to our etiquette. Um, I, I've seen some of you folks out there. I, uh, you don't have your napkins on your lap. It's <laughs> in a restaurant. They were, We've got to kick it up a notch. <laughs> they weren't sitting up straight. <laughs> And uh, not our listeners. I mean, not ours. Other They're, people. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, kick it back in gear. But in all seriousness, we got a, we found a great little uh, new list of uh, of uh, etiquettes. Whatever yeah. you call. And we're Et- gonna etiquette. Is it like? Is it like etiquette. dicey? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I was like, oh. so uh, anyway, for you, uh, so rudely interrupted me because we haven't gotten to that one in the etiquette list. Um, we're going to. We did the first ten, like three weeks ago, last mm-hmm. time we recorded. Um, so we'll review those real quick because they're cool, and then we'll do the next five, and we'll be out of here. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, Mike Azinger. My sidekick, Pastor Brian Leversey, is mere feet away. We're going to talk about, in the last segment, etiquette. Folks need to kick it up out there. <laughs> maybe maybe we need to kick it up. What do you think? Maybe. Which one? <clears throat> I don't know. But we found a great little list. We ran out of our last list. I forget where what it was. But this one, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a throat issue. 33 Forgotten Etiquette Rules to Practice for Impeccable Manners. I want impeccable manners. I do. No, I, I want to know manners. what impeccable means first. <laughs> Can you find them? Where's the thesaurus? <laughs> All right, so these 33. So this is from a book, and I looked up the book because uh, I thought about buying it. I still might. It's not that expensive, but it's from an 1883. That's, back then they had manners, right? They did. We don't have manners today. No. We don't have a dress. Yeah. We barely know how to talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, like you, that's Man. not a good manager. Right there. <laughs> well. That's it. <laughs> All right. Um, so the 1883 Manners Manual called American Etiquette and Rules of Politeness. Wow. That just sounds official. It really does. It sounds powerful. And so we did the first 10 uh, three weeks ago. So I'm going to review, and then we'll do the next five. And we'll do five a week hereafter, and then we'll get back to uh, maybe the uh, book on manhood or maybe something else. I don't know. All right, so here's number one. <clears throat> if you chance to be in company of an inferior, do not let him feel his inferiority. You <laughs> laugh at this every time. Uh, so don't be pompous. Yeah. How about that? Um, you ever get around somebody that does that? Yeah. <laughs> It's so off-putting. My my dad says everybody's got an ego, but not nobody needs to see it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, number two, the private property of others should be carefully respected. Yes, I'm 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 a hearty amen on that one. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I uh, I drill that in my kids. 
Yeah, we tell them when you go over to people's houses, treat their Don't. stuff better than yours. We have a little girl down the street. You used to come in and uh, uh, just arbitrarily pick up food off the fruit bowl and <laughs> or cookie jar. <laughs> That's when you get wax fruit and put it in there and then see what <laughs> she does. Some wax fruit. Oh, she's a cute thing. Just needs She just needs to listen to our show. There you go. She's about five. The private property of others should be carefully respected. So, I, yeah, I drill that my kids. Uh, and if you learn private property at home little, you will not become a Marxist. Yeah. Number three, never engage a person in private conversation in the presence of others, nor make any mysterious allusions which no one else understands. So no private jokes. You know, don't do private jokes when you're around others. Um, it's rude and it's uh, uh, unthoughtful. Agreed. Number four, never waste the time of others by making them wait for you. Yeah. That is rude. It is rude. Number five. Of course, we do it every Wednesday when we record. I'm late <laughs> five minutes every morning. Number five. Do not show a want of courtesy by consulting your watch either at home or abroad. Do people still wear watches? It's kind of like ties. I wear one. I love I've a watch. Yeah. I've got this. I've got this smart watch. It's amazing. I just I like it. Tells me what I need to do when I need to do it. I know when I get a text. I know when I got an appointment coming up. It's awesome. I can't hear. That's too much for me. Yeah. I get a fossil that says what time it is and yeah. the date and some other stuff that I think is just for uh, aesthetics. <laughs> Number six. It is your duty to seem interested in the conversation of those who are talking. You didn't. <laughs> I'm looking at my watch when you were saying that. <laughs> ah, gossip and tailbearing are always a personal confession of malice and imbecility. Wow. That's some big words to say some pretty important stuff about yeah. people who gossip. Gossip and tailbearing are an evil. Those are an, that's an are. evil thing. Don't talk about folks <laughs> unless they really, really need it. You know, but, <laughs> unless you're going to pray for them. Unless you're trying Bring to it up one, in a huh? prairie class. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Number nine, it is very rude and an extreme violation of the rules of etiquette to make an engagement either of business or pleasure and break it. Don't yes. break your <clears throat> engagements. Number nine, an invitation once given cannot be recalled. We yep. talked about this. We did. Can't recall an invitation. Sorry. Number ten, never ask impertinent questions. Never betray a curiosity to know of the private and domestic affairs of others. In other words, don't uh, uh, feed somebody lunch so they'll start talking about other people, I think is what that's saying. Um, but I don't want to sit and think about it because we got to get to number yeah, 11. 11. This is the brand new one. Uh, if a person checks himself in a conversation, you should not insist on hearing what he intended to say. So – when he checks himself, so if, you know how it is. If you yeah. talk to somebody, go to say something, you stop, and they they stop. It's rude to say no, no, no. Go ahead, finish. Unless they stop for a reason. Yeah, right. They stop for a reason. Unless it was a fake stop where they could pretend like I didn't want to say something, but then they stare at you like, "Please ask me what I was going to say." <laughs> exactly. So yeah, if <laughs> but then can, that's them being rude at that point. I, I think it is, but you know. Be merciful. Gosh, you're mean. <laughs> Number 12, never answer another rudely or impatiently. Yeah. You think that's true? Yeah, I think that's true. All right. Number 13. I think I think men are bad about that. I think we can get kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Sh- just, hey, get to the matter of fact. Get, get. You know who's rude about that? What's you that? Know? Who? Uh, are you going to gossip? 
<laughs> I will not use an individual name, just generally speaking. Uh, people in uh, uh, drive-thrus. I'm talking about the ones taking your order. They, yeah. Now they can be very nice. They can, but be, they can but, also be oh, very. Oh man, that's true. But they have to work with us, so who blames them? Number thirteen, never boast of birth. Friends, hey, uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll brag. Yeah, I was born. Is that boasting of birth? <laughs> I was. I bo- was born. What were, I was born. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> never birth. <laughs> never boast of birth, friends, or money. That's not a problem. Or of any superior advantages you Basically, may have. Basically, that's a, it's an ancient way to say don't name drop, right? Name dropping is kind of rude. Name dropping is so annoying. Isn't it? And um, I saw so I man, I remember back in the day when we ran with so and so. Yeah, or uh, putting on Facebook a picture of somebody that you spent. I got a great friend who's kind of a higher eye. He, he runs with the big wigs. Um, but he just posts about it too much. It's like, okay, we know. And he is a great guy. I'm gossiping. Uh, I didn't say his name, though. I love him. And he's, I don't deserve to shine his shoes. But you don't have to put every, uh, um, every potentate that you spend time with. Never boast of birth, friends, or money, or of any superior advantages you may have. Number 14, be sure you do not spend your money just for the sake of showing how liberal you can be. Hmm. You know what one word is for all this? Hmm. Be classy. Hmm. Yeah. So I think um, number 15, this is the last one. We're out of time. Never intrude upon a businessman or woman in business hours unless you wish to see them on business. Good point. That is, don't stop. Hey, what's going on? Well, I'm was in uh, the area. working on a million-dollar deal <laughs> or whatever. So uh, just be considerate. Think of others. And um, I think I was convicted uh, liking about half those. Yeah, you yeah. know, I got some. All of us need to have some work to do, and that's what that's what these are. They're just standards, just like the Bible. Look, this is what uh, you know. Uh, you need to step it up a notch. Whatever. Right. All right, we all need a standard to uh, hold to, and that's why we have dads, too. Yeah. Dads are That was a uh, great, great, great story. Great piece there. Love that. Glad you found that. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We love you for listening. We love you anyway. Um, and we'll be back next week. We've got a great guest next week. Mm. Um, I haven't confirmed it, but uh, so I won't say his name, but you'll enjoy, uh, you'll enjoy next week with our guests, and then we're going to talk, uh, analyze a, a pro-life issue, that uh, article that will be very interesting. So, Voice of Truth Radio with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. We'll see you next week, folks. Take care. I will choose to live.